0: Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Well, it's, it's somewhat normal for us um, in these times. And those of you who have been around for a while, you, you recognize that, that when I'm out of the pulpit, that God continues to, to speak to me. And oftentimes I feel like I'm about ready to explode um, when, we, when we get back. And uh, this, this time I, I feel composed uh, because God spoke to me so clearly uh, dur- during the time. And so, over the next three weeks, we're going to continue with our series, which is entitled The Promise of God that keeps producing. So if you would, just follow along in the Bible. If, if you are a digital follower of us, you can go to Version. Make sure your location settings are on. It will bring up a dot that says you're sitting in New Life, and you can click on that, and you can get a copy, a basic copy of the notes um, for your benefit. Save them to your device, and you can go over it during the week. It won't hurt you to go over it more than once. So look with me, if you will, to book of Genesis chapter 8. Where it says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. I want you to pay attention now because, you know, it's been almost two months now since we started this. And, and I want you to see real carefully as we fine tune this in our lives. I want you to see real carefully and, and remember that God promised that seed time and harvest will not cease. Now if you look at Isaiah chapter 55, that's what we did before, um Isaiah chapter 55 just the 10th verse again, just as a means of of re- of reminder. It says for as rain comes down and snow from the heaven do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Listen. He says, this is how it works. Okay, verse number 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth See, the Bible that we have in our hands today is a copy of God's Word, and it is living and active. His own Word says that. And the Bible says in Matthew 4, verse 4, The man shall not live by bread alone, but rather by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so again, it's so important that you see that His Word is designed by Him not to return void or useless or without employment. But it shall accomplish what I please. It's kind of important for you to recognize that some of what's happening in your life is happening because God has set a pleasing plan over you. It will accomplish what I please, he said. There is a pleasing plan. Please don't make up your mind about what the pleasing plan is. Because you will take out every hard time you ever experience... And say that can't possibly be pleasing to God. When in reality some of the times we learn and experience God's pleasure through things that we would never sign up to do. We get to give example of God's uh, work in our life through things we would never sign up to do. Now I'm not saying his word produces that. I'm saying his word produces our response. It returns with a fully employed word on the inside of us. That's the way healing works. You know, you'd say, well, boy, that's never going to work. You know, I got this bad report. Well, switch your reports and take the report of the Lord. See, that's the word of God becoming employed inside of you. It says it'll prosper. And I wish I could teach on this, and we may add this to the end of this message. But I wish I could teach you about how this prosperity of God's word works. How this provision is placed. It's literally hidden in the earth, in people, in circumstances for you to harvest. See, a lot of times people say, well, i got to do all these things so God will give it to me. Nope, God already hid it. You're just looking in the wrong place. And let me just tell you something. The solution to the world's problems is not where everybody else is looking or they'd have found it by now. The solution to the world's issues is found in God's Word. And it's accepted essentially one person at a time. Well, amen anyway. Hallelujah. Now, if you would please... Look at Galatians chapter 6. Again, these are all scriptures that were the foundation of some of our messages. But notice it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Boy, I tell you, there's some powerful stuff there. For whatever a man sows, that will... See, seed, time, and harvest shall not end. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Verse number 8 For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Today's message is entitled, How Corruption Affects Cooperation. When your truth is corrupted, when your harvest is corrupted, you're not going to cooperate as effectively. And we're going to take that apart today uh, in, in a lot of ways. And I'm going to show you a scripture that you all are familiar with, that it's possible that you've never seen the way I'm going to show it to you today. He sows to the flesh, will reap corruption. No one wants that. And listen to me, you cannot corrupt your way to blessing. You cannot corrupt your way to blessing. You cannot corrupt your way to blessing. You can't go through all this corruption. Oh, I'm going to do this. And even though that's not in God's word, when I get all done. Nope. You cannot corrupt your way to blessing. He who sows the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Reap everlasting life. We see that. All right. (laughs) Now, last scripture. Hebrews chapter 4. Notice it, would you please? Verse 2. For indeed the gospel... The good news of Jesus Christ was preached to us as well as to them. Now, this is in context, this is talking about the children of Israel and how come some of them didn't come out of the the wilderness. But it says, was preached to us as well to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Stop for just a second and listen. God designs his word, just like Isaiah says, to bring prospering to you. But that prospering is enriched or mixed with faith in us that hear it. You have to mix something that God has already put in you, right? Faith is not something you develop. It's a gift from God. In case you wonder, Ephesians chapter 2, lest anyone boast. You're not building your faith because you're so smart. You're building your faith on top of what Jesus has done, which means you're building your understanding of what Jesus has done. When I got born again, I didn't know Jesus intended for a whole bunch more stuff to come along with the gift. Now it came along and I had to discover it over the years. See, I thought, well, if you just saved, you punch your ticket and get to heaven, hallelujah, now you can just go do whatever you want because your eternal ticket is punched. And then you realize that God plans so much more for you. That's a life of prospering through the understanding of who Jesus is and what the sacrifice uh, of him was. So mixed with faith. Here's your first quote. It says, living in the promise requires a belief in what was said, and a trust in who said it. Now, you remember that quote from the last time we were together. That is the nature of faith. The nature of faith is a trust in what was said and in the person who said it. You have to have faith. See, sometimes what happens in a church is you have more faith in the leadership or in the pastor than you do in God. You know, unless the pastor comes, you know, you go and say, well, some pastors are just bad. Maybe But I just want to tell you something. You're mixing faith in what was said, his word, and who said it? Jesus Christ himself. Are we together? So that's the nature of faith. Okay, so here we are this week. And we're going to talk about deception, corrupting cooperation. Deception, corrupting cooperation. When you're deceived in the truth... Now remember, deception is literally the misleading of the mind. Deception is a misleading of the mind. See, that's why your spirit man can be throwing up the caution and stop flags all the time when deception is being followed by you. See, it's not stopping you, it's saying to you, stop. It corrupts your cooperation. So when you're deceived, you won't cooperate as effectively does that make sense to everybody? All right. So then we have to attack the deception. I told the Sunday school class this morning, I said, listen, come, come to the main service today because I'm, I'm going to pick on you. So here's a common area of scripture that all of you know. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, For those of you who are already saying, that's right, Satan, the thief. In context, are you ready? In context, the thief in this scripture is not the devil. I know we say it is, but it's not. If you read chapter 9, well, let me just, here, let's let's do some of this. John chapter 10. We're going to spend all our time right here. Are you ready? Look at John chapter 10, verse 1. Sorry, Jeremy. I know you can fix my... Most assuredly, I say to you. That's verse number 1 of chapter 10. Most assuredly. Let me help you with the context. If you go back and read chapter 9... You will see the attack that the religious and political Pharisees remember the religious the high the hierarchy of the time of Jesus was a religious and political governmental structure. Okay? The, the priests carried, the, especially the high priest carried enormous political power. And, and so they were able to enforce by the recognition of the law what was supposed to happen. So in chapter 9, you can just, just familiar, familiarize yourself with it when, when you go back to, to look over this. And you'll, you'll realize that, that the religious leaders attacked Jesus for the healing that he did and for the leading, more specifically, the leading he did. And they said, when this man got healed, they said, well, he did it on the Sabbath, and that's against the rules. So the thief in context is actually the political and religious leaders that he's going to speak about. And there's no way for us to get to truth through accepted, standard, religious, or political ways. The truth is not political, people of God. The truth is not religious the truth is a person. His name is Jesus. And we have to accept that. And you say, well, "What? What not our church right? Our church is right until we figure out that we were once wrong about something. I mean, at times, we just go on because we think we've got all the answers and we think everybody should join us. And then we recognize that God's been trying to correct us and change us through this whole time. But we hold on. Denominationalism, okay, Not denominations, but denominationalism. The the thought process that protects the truth that got us here. That's denominationalism. It's the system that protects the truth that got us here. Okay? And so when that happens, we will oftentimes allow for the traditions, which is the truth that got us here, to avoid the word of God. In fact, Jesus said in, in Matthew 17 and Mark 7 maybe, and I don't know if I put this in the notes or not, but it oftentimes gives us the understanding that the tradition of the word of God has voided, the tradition of man has voided the word of God. So we have to be really, really careful about this. So now, here's my point. We always thought this was the devil, but this is actually religious truth. This is actually certain truths that the church just holds on to, right? And so for an example, when it says the thief Well, who's the thief? It's the deceiver. The word could be translated deceiver. So here's the thing. He takes that truth and he twists it. He literally misleads the mind. So for an example, I have no problem with the four spiritual laws. You know that little track everybody passes out? But do you know you can get saved without them? Right? Right? I have no problem with the tradition of baptism. I don't have any problem with that. But getting wet doesn't save you. Jesus does. We did it last week I was here. We had a a baptism. I don't know how many people we baptized, quite a few, you know, 12, 14, 16, something like that. And they were doing that for our benefit. They were confessing Christ before man. They, They weren't saved because they got wet. Because they were saved, they got wet. Right? See, there's a deception that goes out in religious truth that oftentimes builds builds walls and keeps people out. Amen? Or not? Does it keep people out? Okay, let's keep looking. So he says, the thief, the deceiver. Make sure you understand that not only the devil, which is true for him, but also religious systems, are in place at times to keep you from accepting the truth of God. Now, I don't want to get real personal and and tell too much of anybody's story, but maybe you came from a tradition like I did, where the tradition that I came from, it was more important for you to go to church than to know who the church was. Okay. The church is you. It's not this building. The church is you. And so what happens is we say, well, you've got to come to our building. Well, the world said not too many months ago that you can't go to any building. Now what happened? Did the church stop? No. Many churches were forced into a digital presentation of church. Now, God spoke to us several years before that. We were already doing that. We didn't understand why. I mean, not completely. And then all of a sudden, the only church that we could have for a season was digital church. But at the end of that season, what we realized was that the government cannot tell us that we can't meet. See, the deception at the beginning, it sounded okay because we're trying to protect everybody. And, you know, and, and maybe we give everybody, the, the, the supposedly smart people, we give everybody the, 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 the right to have these opinions and all that kind of stuff. And we're trying to figure this out. But at some point, we said, wait a minute here. God's the one that calls us together. So unless God tells us not to come together, we need to come together. And you may remember when we joined the lawsuit and sued the government. I was hoping that was going to work real well. Because <laughs> if not, right, they got a lot of sticks. And so we had to decide, well, what if they come take our tax deduction? Well, who cares? I mean, honestly, who cares? We can't afford to pay taxes. I consider it a blessing from God that we don't. But we can afford to do it. Why? Because God is our supply. He said, what if you lose your tax exemption? Okay, let's not be deceived by the thief, which is a political and religious setting. The deceiver comes to deceive. There are churches out there today who are deceived in certain kinds of truths. And they want us to have the same truth. In fact, one group, who shall remain nameless unless I slip has hijacked the covenant response of God to the flood. The rainbow. And now people, political and religious, say, oh, no, you gotta just, you know, you you can't do, yes, you can. You can still be gracious and loving while not straying away from God's word. You say, well, doesn't that hurt people? No, we're here to help. We're here to help. You can come. You say, won't you, we won't you feel judged by you? I hope not. But if you do, come see me. Because we can help you with that. The recognition of judgment oftentimes comes from a guilty heart. I don't know if you ever realized that, but there you go. Well, people are looking. Listen, I did prison ministry for a lot of years. And when guys get out, you know what they say? Everybody's looking at me funny. Really? How did they know? I had a guy come up to me at, a, at an event in, in Yuma County. And, and he'd been in, you know, when they're in prison, they wear all these matching clothes. I'd never seen him in normal clothes. So this guy came up, had his big old floppy hat on and a regular shirt. He wasn't orange. You know, didn't say DOC on the back of him. Came up to me and said, oh, Pastor Glenn, how are you doing? I said, Good. And you are? How do I know you? Oh, I was in jail. I didn't remember him because he, 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 he didn't wear his orange jumpsuit. That's the only way I knew him. I wasn't thinking about how terrible it was. See, people oftentimes feel the judgment from a heart that has a twinge of guilt in it. Amen. So the thief only comes except except, it says, it means with singular focus. The thief, the deceiver, has a singular focus. That focus is to get you off of the truth of the word of God by this much. To just believe that God didn't do those things, that Jesus doesn't do those things, that the Holy Spirit doesn't work those ways. You know, I'm always amazed when people stop us from doing what the word says to tell us that God doesn't do that. Well, what do you mean he doesn't do that? If you'll stay out of the way you can just watch. and God is still doing that today. He is still, you say well I just don't believe that. It's okay you don't have to. But please understand that the, the political and religious system is meant to deceive us. Listen, if you lived in less of a free country, you would find out that occasionally what that country wants of you is to be deceived just enough that you'll not trust God any longer. Because He doesn't do those things anymore. God can't help you. Now it says it comes, except to do these things. Now, Let me give you a disclaimer for just a second. This is going to be kind of theological in its nature. But please understand when the reality of Jesus' sacrifice takes effect, it takes effect, the new life takes effect at his crucifixion. You being able to live the new life with power comes at his ascension. Are we tracking? Until Jesus dies, until the sacrifice of Christ, the blood of Jesus is shed and put on the mercy seat of heaven, the way that they talked was kind of in faith towards that. So we live there now. We live there with the effects of Jesus Christ's sacrifice being real and active in us. What I'm about to read, that was still an expression of faith. But it was changed by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and it was radically changed by the ascension of the Father. Jesus said to us, it's important for me to go away, because if I don't go, we can't send back the Holy Spirit, who will comfort you and lead you and guide you, right? So we know that the ascension and the impartation of the Holy Spirit into everyday real life are monumental changes in the Bible that reflect an understanding of theology, Who God is and what he, so through, when the Bible says in John chapter 1 that he made the word flesh, that Jesus became incarnate, that was an important transition. Up to that point, we didn't have a living word for us. We got to see it when Jesus was walking around. Then he became the sacrifice, the lamb. And when he was crucified, he was crucified in our place. That's a monumental theological hinge point. And then he spent 40 days wandering around and so forth and he told everybody to wait and they had to wait 10 days, 50 days from Passover to Pentecost until the Holy Spirit came down. And that was a real interesting thing because he came down and he made everybody look like their hair was on fire. Still happening today. Some of you look like your hair is on fire. Why? Because the reality of the Holy Spirit puts a miracle presence around us. It's a hinge point, a theological hinge point that changes everything. So when I read this, let's make sure and put the twist or the hinge in there. Are you ready? Except singular focus. He comes to what? What's the first one? To steal. It means to take by stealth. It means to sneak and take something. Are you ready? When you accepted Jesus Christ, the Bible says you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify him in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Guess what? You don't own anything and there's nothing left to steal. There's nothing left to steal, people of God. You don't own anything. Everything you have belongs to God. Who you are belongs to God. So what does the, what does the religious people do? They say, you got to be careful now. And they, t- they, they tell you it's the, the, the devil. Okay, it's fine. But what is it you have to steal? Well, I got my stuff. Okay, let's just run that little thing up the flagpole for just a second. The stuff that you have, should Jesus come back, is going to burn. Your stuff's not very important. You literally have nothing left to steal. So when somebody says, well, you know, the devil just comes to try and steal. It's okay. If you got nothing, you got nothing to risk. But what does the religious people get you to do? They get you to focus on everything you can lose. And they say, oh, that devil, he just, he came in, he stole my paycheck. No, you spent it on booze. You bought lottery tickets, duh. Who stole from you? You did. That really awkward scripture in Malachi that says, "How have we robbed you?" Oh, and tithes and offerings that doesn't even belong to you. You don't own anything. God owns everything. He can't. You can't be stolen from. You see the deception? Okay, so what does the enemy do? He gets you to think, oh, i got to protect all this stuff. Right? All this stuff that God's giving me. It's my job to protect it. Really? Give it to God. you got nothing left to steal. Look at this next part. The thief cannot steal from one who owns nothing. There's your, your quote. I'm sorry. I got excited and I didn't give it to you. Is it, do we have one? Oh, there. Oh, that's right. I forgot, Jeremy. I only get a promise tile turn around and look at my screen that's what I get you get that pretty picture thank you Jeremy I just forgot I I love what we're doing but it takes me a little while to catch on right if you've got nothing left what can the thief steal if you own nothing what can he can't steal from God you're in the hand of God No man can pluck you out of it. There's nothing left to steal. Okay, what else does he say in that passage, John chapter 10, verse 10? He says, He comes not but to steal and to kill. It literally means to kill or offer as a sacrifice. How many of you are dead in Jesus Christ? How do you kill a dead guy? How do you kill a dead guy? It's not possible. But what do we get concerned about? We get concerned about our life. How are we going to keep living? And of course, whenever sickness comes, right? We say, oh man, we got to really, would you just relax for a second? If you're already dead, take that part off the, the equation. You've watched me over all these years now when I, 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 I walked with my own parents, I walked with Tracy's parents, walked with our own son and daughter-in-law. You got to take death off the table. Because if not, every time anybody talks to you, it's going to sound so serious that you'll lose your focus on who actually gave you the truth. And death will become so debilitating, so deceptive that you can't cooperate. How many of you ever had the opportunity in the midst of a circumstance to look at what the world said and to look at what God said and freaked out over what the world said. Oh, you can't. Today, I love it because there are some people who are just pretty darn sure that America is going to go to hell in a handbasket. Well, we got to do all this stuff. Can I point something out to you? If you're dead, nothing that happens in this world is going to have an impact on you. Come on, do this little experiment with me. Put a Tootsie Roll in your pocket the next time you go to a funeral. And when you walk up to the casket, take it out, wave it under the nose of the dead guy. (laughs) See if he moves. You see, you laugh at that. But every time the, the deceiver comes, he waves something under our nose or in front of our faces. And what happens? We look at that and go, oh, no. Oh, no. And we get all freaked out. Instead of stopping to figure out what God might be saying to us, we pick up the phone and we call the prayer team. Oh, boy, we're all going to hell in a handbasket. we got to step up and do this. You're already dead. Do you see the deception I'm trying to get at? When you're focused on living like that, right? Galatians 2, chapter 2, it says, no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me in the life I now live, I live in faith through Jesus Christ. Galatians two twenty says. You understand that that subtle deception that religion can put on you, and in some cases, religions, governments, politics, we get all that, we get all this deception, and we can't cooperate with what God's doing. Because we're focused on trying to defibrillate our dead body, by worldly truth. We shouldn't be affected, people of God. He says, that thief, that deceiver, he has a singular focus. He'll come and get you to focus on what you have to steal. Well, if you've got nothing, that party's over. Come on. If we brought a professional pickpocket in here, and I told you about it, And I don't know if you've ever been on any of those shows where those professional pickpockets take guys' watches off and that kind of stuff. I mean, it's crazy what they can do. right? And they're just really, really slick at it. And what if I said to you, next week there's going to be a pickpocket here. So bring everything that you want to give away. Put it in your pockets. If you look at what you have as a seed to give away, it's a whole different picture than being stolen from. You say, well, it's just not right. He stole my watch. Well, are you prepared to give it to him? If a person comes to you and asks you for a coat, shouldn't you give him two? If I ask you to walk a mile, shouldn't you walk two with him? Are you seeing the principle here? You've got nothing to lose, people of God. And I know you're saying, but you don't understand. We've worked really hard for this. If you've worked hard for this, it's destined for destruction. If God worked through you hard for, it's destined for multiplication. See, that's why the world, when, when the world passes on an inheritance, I'm telling you, stupid takes seed. And people don't know what to do with it. Why? Because they don't realize where it came from and how to handle it, because they're so deceived, they've got to protect it. You can't be stolen from, and you can't be killed. Isn't that interesting? What's the last one say? Look at the 10th verse again. Thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Cool. Destroy, what does it mean? It means to deprive of. The deceiver wants you to be deprived of something. Okay, here's the picture I want you to, to see. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you enter into the reward system that comes from seed time and harvest. When you give your life as a living sacrifice into that picture, it's good and acceptable, the Bible says. Then you begin in that process of receiving the reward of God. You cannot be stolen from, you can't be killed, and you cannot be deprived of the reward that God has for you by a deceiver. Now you have to know that. You say, you can't deceive me from that. Here's how that deception works. See, religious people or religious entities or sometimes political entities will tell you you don't deserve those things. You don't deserve those things. And so they will convince you of that until you start to question. You don't deserve those things. And then you'll begin to not cooperate with God because he said, listen, take it up with him. He said you deserve those things. It always irritates me when somebody says, well, you know, I'm just a dirty, rotten worm saved by grace. Well, that grace should have had some work on you, turned you into a different person. Because once you're saved by grace, you're no longer the dead worm. You are the very picture and image of Christ on the earth. You say, well, pastor, but I don't act that way. He's not measuring your actions He's measuring Christ's actions. We are rewarded by the work that Jesus has already done. So, I mean, I've waited for a month to preach this message. Because I just look at it and go, wait a minute. The deceiver comes. Look what he does. He comes and gets us to focus on what we have. Here's how that works in real life. How many of you have listened to a news report that says we're coming to a recession? Oh, hey, bye, kids. Be quiet. How many of you heard we're going to a recession? And you got to do something. What? Exactly. This doesn't change anything, people of God. Hear God's voice, do what he says. Hear God's voice, do what he says. How many of you remember Y2K? Oh, man. Some of you are still living on the batteries that you saved up because the electricity was going to go bad. Some of you still got 100 pounds of pinto beans in your basement. Some of you got plastic buckets full of food because, oh, my word, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Really. I'm not the smartest guy in this room. But let me tell you something. God has never failed to take me to a position that he intended for me to walk in. I've made all kinds of mistakes and found myself a few steps out of step. But God has never failed to get me back over there. You know how many times the enemy, the deceiver, has told me preaching is not working, try something else. I'm telling you right now, it'd be so much easier sometimes just to walk away from this thing. But you see, that's the deception. God wired me. For this. When I found it. When it found me. And I cooperated with it. Some of the wiring that wasn't working right before. started working really different. I thought. See. I I, I believed that if I went into ministry. That I'd be poor. Like it was some sort of badge of courage. Courage or badge of honor. To be poor. And I said I'm not going in ministry. If I have to be poor. And God showed me 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9. I studied that all up and I found out that he gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower. But if you don't pay attention and cooperate, you eat the seed. Because poverty can make you eat the seed. Guess what? You're so deceived you can't cooperate with what God said. I went, no, no, no. You are not going to do that. And what did he do? He deceived me away from my reward. I thought, that's not going to work. Because God promised. You know, he promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He is not able to be, to have destruction placed on his reward. It's there whether you accept it or not. That's what I say when, when you're, when you're wondering about, well, how is he going to make this happen? He hides provision for you. It's like a secret that's to be found. I tell this story because of you knowing the people involved, but had a missionary who was having troubles making it, and he, he was really intrigued by the message of, of provision. And I was saying, God's hid what you need. You just need to find it. Just dig. Just find it. Run into it. Trip over it. Whatever. And he got a phone call one day because he owned both three different, his ministry name, .com, .net, and .something else. I don't know, whatever's left. He owned all three of those names, okay? And he needed a very specific thing. And so this, this company called him up, whoever, whoever sells you that stuff, called him up and said, hey, we, we want to buy that, that, that domain name from you. He says it's not for sale. Then he realized that he just tripped over God's provision. And they said, well, we'll give you $1,000 for it. Now, $1,000 wasn't enough for what his need was. So he called me and we talked about it. I said, tell him exactly what your need is because you just tripped over God's hidden provision. He says, well, I need like $1,511.78. I said, call him. Tell him that's what you sell the name for. It'll meet your need. See, he tripped over the reward that God hid for him before he ever realized You can do that in life. He cannot destroy the reward that God has designed for you. Are we together? See, a lot of times you say, well, it's just the devil. The devil is not more powerful than God. But we say, oh, the devil this and the devil. Listen, stop talking to him. Duh. If you talk to the devil and are surprised by what his intent are or is, you choose your own verb tense. If you're surprised by that, you're deceived. That's what he does. That's what religion does. They want to narrow you in so you can be controlled. Luke chapter 9, verse 56 says, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Jesus didn't come to destroy the thief, the deceiver comes. He came to give you a life of abundance. See, so that's why the thief cannot destroy the plan of God in our life. Do you see it? Now, listen to me. The next time the deception or the opportunity for deception is presented to you, you'll hear it on the news, you'll hear it from religion, you'll hear it from politics. Just stand up and say, you know what? That is a deception. And if you buy into that deception, you literally believe you can be stolen from, you can be killed, and you can be destroyed. And none, none, of, none of those are true. You can't be stolen from. You, you say, oh, yes, Pastor, I, this happened to me. No, you had your eyes on the wrong stuff. You had your eyes on the stuff. Do I need to bring up Job? Have you considered my servant Job? See, that's what God asks the enemy. Have you considered him? He says, well, yeah. And so Job, in the beginning, it's kind of a hard book. Really, just read the first two chapters and the last two chapters. You got it. The middle part's full of all kinds of interesting stuff. But the first two chapters, Job loses everything. And by the two chapters at the end, Job has twice of everything. What's God's intent? See, if you'll recognize the deceiver, the thief has a singular focus and you don't fit any of them. That makes sense? Yeah. Did you learn something? Yeah. See, a lot of times you just give so much power to the enemy or to whatever religion says or whatever politics says. I'm just telling you, if you'll buy into this, that can't happen because you're dead already. You don't own anything. And the reward of God lives in you. Amen. Amen. Come on, music team. Stand with me, would you please? Thank you, Father. Well, Father, we'll need some time and some help to process this one so that we can see ourselves as being unkillable unstealable, undestroyable. Because we live in you. Only through deception can we hold on to these things in such a way that it takes the value of what God has given us and putting it into a value of something we own. takes the value of living by faith in your life and and, and puts it in the value of living the life I want to live, my way. takes the value of the reward system ...out of God and puts it in what I want. We are not people... ...who buy into the deception that's being offered. We cannot be stolen from... ...because we don't own anything. All we have, we've placed in you, God. We cannot be killed... ...because we died in you... ...through Jesus Christ. We live our life by faith in Jesus... We cannot be destroyed. Destruction is not ours because the reward comes when we mix faith with what that person of Jesus, the person of God, has said to us. We mix it by faith and the reward is ours. You see, it lives in us. We can't be stolen from. We can't be killed. and We can't be destroyed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.